Welcome back for episode 44 of Self-Signed Artist. We've talked a lot about branding on this podcast, but choosing a brand for your artist career doesn't mean you're stuck with it forever. On this episode, we're talking about artist evolution with Jack Riley. You're listening to Self-Signed Artist, the podcast that helps independent musicians run their brand like a business. Now, your hosts, Kobe Nelson and Jake Mannix. How's it going, everybody? I'm Kobe Nelson, and I'm here with Jake Mannix. Hello, hello. How's it going, Jake? How's your week been? It's going good. Uh, No complaints. Just over here, hanging out. (laughs) Nice. How about you? I mean, this week was a a little bit of a a slower week for me, too, which was actually a welcome thing after previous week. We had a bunch of big recordings, so it's good. I'm looking forward to this coming week when it's not going to be like 10 degrees anymore, at least here. I don't know what it's going to be like for you, Jake, but here it's going to get up into the 60s finally this week, so I'm like so, so excited for that, just like to get outside and not be stuck <laughs> inside or dying outside in the cold so yeah the windshield has been brutal yeah it's been really bad so i'm i'm excited i'm just looking forward to this week so for this episode today let's get into our topic this week we're talking about a topic that i think all artists deal with at one point or another over the course of their career especially if they keep at it for a long time and make music over a long period of time and that's the idea of evolution as an artist evolving your sound updating your image even changing your name and changing your overall brand so essentially this episode i want this episode to be about growing on an artistic level and both the benefits and the challenges that can go along with that so to help us shine some light on this topic we have a great guest with us here today they've recently released new music under the name neve which you should go find. I'll spell it for you because you'll need the spelling. It's N-I-A-M-H. And and this project also marks a creative evolution from a previous project with a different sound and a different name, which ties into our topic perfectly. So we're very excited to welcome to the podcast, Jack Riley. Hey guys, how's it going? Good, how are you? I'm doing well, doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you very much for coming on today to talk with us about this. I'm really interested to talk about what you're doing right now, but before we get to that, just to set the stage for our listeners, can you give us a bit of a background for your career so far as an artist? Like I first met you, we were just saying (laughs) a couple minutes ago before the episode, I guess eight years ago now Yeah. in music college. But of course, if you went to music college, you were making music before auditioning for college. So how did you actually get started in music? Um... I first started playing when I was six. I started taking piano lessons and, you know, I was learning all of the classics. I was, you know, playing Bach and Mozart and everything. And um, at first it was just kind of something that I did. It was just, you know, like a Tuesday afternoon activity. And, you know, I would go home and I would like, I, I was like playing music for my lesson, you know, and it was really when I started learning songs by ear. Like, I think it was the music of Pirates of the Caribbean. I was like, I want to play this, but I (laughs) don't have any music for it. What do I do? Um, So I started learning that and some of the like melodies from the Lord of the Rings. And 
that turned into, you know, learning pop songs to play for my friends. And around the same point, I started singing in my church's choir. And then when I started putting the two together, I, I started really feeling like, oh, wow, this is this is something that, that I can do, you know? Mm. So, yeah, started a band in middle school, did a lot of Red Hot Chili Peppers, <laughs> um, joined a band in high school, continued doing a lot of Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, <laughs> and with the band I was in in high school, the guitar player's grandmother lived on the same street as my family. So he was around all of the time and he just started showing up at my house and saying, like, let's write, which turned into us like every day after school, we would get together and we would you know, throw a song together. And after about a year, year and a half, like we had, you know, a little album and, you know, like, you know, just like little, little pop songs about like girls that we liked and, you know, and then that kind of just kept going. You know, I, I started writing on my own. And when I got to college, I made some more friends, started another band. That's around the time that you and I met. I had... Mm. I had, I think, two or three songs that were just ones that I had written alone. So I linked up with my friend John from high school and my friend Aiden, who I had met in college. And we put together this little group called The Nimble and Quick. And we did that. It was for um, the Sure thing, right? Yes, for a, a recording competition. We were trying to win some microphones for the school. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, that was a really, really great time. And that really kind of, all of a sudden I had, I was like, oh my God, like this is just here. Like this like recording studio is just here and it's it's all I really wanted to do. Nice. It's funny to hear that you started with piano and wanting to play music from movies too. Because I, I kind of feel like those are my first sort of musical moments too or inspirations as well like the first thing that i remember really really wanting to learn on piano was the theme for titanic oh, <laughs> that was God. like i needed to know how to play that yeah 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 <laughs> yeah leading up through bands and, and stuff like that so these days you're creating under the name neve like we mentioned before mm -hmm. can you tell us a little bit about this new project and the new self-titled record also yeah so I had been releasing music under the name Pleasure Mad for, I think, about two years. Yeah, just, just over two years I had been releasing. Um, I put out an album, and then I did a couple of singles. And it was right before the pandemic hit, I came into a little extra money and I bought myself an OB6. And I just like fell in love with the instrument and like all of a sudden all of the like Radiohead songs that you know I was like trying to like learn songs that were written for guitar on piano that was like what I did all through high school all of a sudden I could like play with that confidence of like my instrument but get all of the different tones that guitar mm -hmm. can kind of like open up for you and I kind of just dove right into it so the record is I wanted as much of it as I could to be just the OB6. It was a, a lot of it was the process of like figuring that instrument out. And I remember speaking to my roommate at the time, Dylan. It started out as just kind of like doing like re recordings of songs that I had already released and like trying some new stuff out. And I remember 
we were in the kitchen one day and I was like, I think I might have an album. Like, I think, you know, I, I set out to maybe put together an EP and I just kind of kept going. So, yeah. So when did the decision, I guess, come then to put this out as like a new project mm. or, and change the name from Pleasure Mad? Like, what was the inspiration for that actual like rebrand, I guess you could say? Well, it's it's funny. I first was really struck with the name Neve when I was recording Where the Tragic Happens, the album that I put out under the name Pleasure Mad. I heard this Celtic myth and the name Neve, one of the characters in this myth, like really stuck out to me. And I had met somebody recently who called herself Persephone. It wasn't her given name. It was her chosen name. And I kind of like had started thinking like, whoa, like what would, I wonder like what that would be for me. Like if I were to choose another name, what would it be? And then, you know, I heard this name Neve. So I started just like quietly every once in a while, like thinking of myself, like, oh, I am Neve. And it was something that I kept to myself for like a really long time. And I remember Dylan, like a couple of times, he asked me, like, have you ever thought about releasing music under that name? And I was like, no, 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 no. Like, what? No way. And I remember showing him some of the songs that I've been working on from the, from the album. And he was like, look, this is a different thing. This is just a different sound altogether. And I think that could use a new name, you know? I was trying a bunch of new stuff and and it had this different quality to it. So it felt, it just felt right. So I guess to you, what do you think an artist name really represents? Because I feel like for some people, maybe they're experimenting with a new sound. They find something that they really like and they, um, a direction that they want to move in. A lot of the times they wouldn't necessarily think to change the name. They would think, okay, I'll, I'll put this out. This will be an evolution of this same project. So what is what does the name of a project really represent for you? So this is something that I've been thinking about since you brought it up when we were you know, planning the interview. In certain cases, when I was playing with the band Art School Girls, for instance, I was talking with Aiden, the bassist in that group, when we were like trying to figure out the name of that group we were talking about. He brought up a really good point. I think he said uh, it was in Questlove's book. He talks about the name of your music representing the scene that it comes out of. And so we were talking like, like what, like who are we going to be playing for? Like who are, who is going to be at these shows? And we were just kind of like, well, a lot of the time it's like just, the other bands and a couple of the girls from the art school, you know? And I don't know, we, we just kind of ran with that. So in that case, it was, you know, trying to capture a, a, a time and a place. All of those songs were kind of about, you know, navigating the, the social world of a college campus. So it just kind of fit that. So when it came to Pleasure Mad, I was writing on my own. I was, you know, trying to play everything myself, record everything myself. And I had just moved to Virginia. And I was doing a lot of reading about, like, 70s kind of singer-songwriter stuff. I was getting, like, really, really into Hunky Dory, Bowie's album, and Carole King, and a lot of Joni Mitchell. And 
thinking about like that time period and all of the the things that come to mind you think about you know sex drugs and rock and roll like that whole thing and that is not really my vibe you know i don't really i i don't go that hard um so you know when writing that stuff i felt like i was trying to capture a life that i didn't necessarily lead in music trying to like take a piece of myself that is true and putting it together with like a motif like something that is like super established like you hear those sounds you think about partying you think about this glamorous lifestyle so that's kind of where pleasure mad came from that was a term that my great aunt irene you know told me about you know pleasure mm -hmm. mad it just kind of this lust for life so a name really in certain cases it helps focus. It helps focus your writing. Like for Neve in particular, I wanted to write from a similar place that those movie soundtracks that like first got me into to learning music, I wanted to write from a similar place. So rather than writing for like a specific environment, I wanted to write for a character and the character just like happened to be myself, this kind of big grand version of myself. So it can kind of give you a center to give all of your songs cohesion. I think that's a really, really interesting idea and something that I haven't really thought about with an artist name. So I, I think that's really cool that these names, not only do they have meaning, but they have meaning to you in a way that affects what the music actually is. That's, that's really cool. I think a lot of the time artists and people in general just kind of think of names as a brand. Like we've even talked about names in that way on this podcast before where it's pretty much like an identifier, you know, like Walmart or whatever. It doesn't serve much of a purpose other than to just be like a consistent thing. So everybody sees like the Walmart sign and they think like, oh, I know what that is. I know if I need like a car battery and some socks and some dental floss, like I can find it there. And it, it's it's not like representing anything including to walmart i guess if we're continuing that analogy so i i don't know i think a lot of artists treat their own names that same way and they might choose something that sounds cool or has the right vibe to their music and maybe it does have meaning but then it just becomes like a label and mm. it, it's not connected necessarily to the music in any way so yeah i i think that's really an interesting idea. And it goes along kind of like with what you said, like there's a shift in the sound of the music with the name change to go along with it. And I mean, like the sound of your music definitely changed. Like you said, like there's more of the the synth sort of vibe to it versus maybe a more like indie rock type of vibe, guitars, like you said, and stuff like yeah. that from Pleasure Mad. So I think, yeah, the, the name Shift makes sense, and I think that's fascinating, actually, that the name can affect the way that you actually make music. Yeah, definitely. What you were saying before about how it starts as just kind of an identifier, and then the longer you use that name, it kind of loses that connection. That is a, a big reason why I, I keep changing. I keep changing my name because I, I keep trying these new things, and... I remember, you know, like getting up and like saying like, we're art school girls at a certain point, 
I like looked around and like, I would say like, I mean, we're, we're not, we're literally not, um, <laughs> you know, cause I, I had graduated college and it just like the name started representing the music less and less. And that's why, you know, changing the name, it, it, it gives like a new pulse to whatever you're doing. But, you know, there's always the double-edged sword of people get to know you under one name and then you change the name, everybody doesn't come with you. Right. There, there are still people, I haven't put out anything with Art School Girls in five years, and there are still people who will ask me about Art School Girls. They'll still, still bring it up. And I'm like, I'm, I love those songs. Like, I'm really, really proud of those songs and, and of that time. But this is what I'm doing now. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely something that I want to talk to you about, too, because I think that's most artists' hesitation with, like, changing a name or really changing direction in any way. Yeah. I also think there's, like, an interesting connection there with what you just said about a name becoming stale. Like, the same thing happens for music. Like, you, an artist will evolve musically for the same reason if you're doing the same thing over and over and over and over again, writing the same types of songs. Like, that becomes stale, and it starts to not lose its meaning, not the songs you've already written are losing their meaning, but it's hard to find new meaning in that. And that's a time to maybe depart from that and find the next, whether that's the next level or, or just the, the next thing that you want to do. Yeah. So I want to talk about this idea of changing and how that affects your relationship with your audience. Because this idea is fascinating to me and it, it kind of reveals this weird paradox that's, I think, somewhat specific to music. So, like, for me, from working with a bunch of bands at different stages in their careers and stuff like this, I've, I've seen this play out a bunch of times where, on the one hand, you have artists and bands, and their goal is to make better and better music over time and also more and more meaningful music mm -hmm. with a secondary goal, maybe, of reaching more and more people with that music. Yeah. But then, on the other hand, you have the audience and their goal is to find something that they love and then get more of that. And a, a kind of weird thing happens sometimes when those two things come together and they can conflict with one another, I think. Like, whereas an artist, if you make really good music and you find an audience that really likes it, then they want you to keep making more of just that. And it, it can be hard to continue to evolve. And the audience may not want you to evolve too much. So I'm interested to see how you have felt about that, especially with the change that you mentioned before with people still referencing back to previous projects with previous names. Is that ever constricting from a creative standpoint? Or I don't know, is, is this something that bands and artists should really worry about? Or what are your thoughts on that? I think... For the most part, I think the people who listen to my music most are people I know personally. You know, my albums will will get out to people who I who I don't expect, but the people who follow me the closest are people who I can reach out to, people who like have heard my music in the past and have like reached out to me and I've kind of like built that relationship. But you know, my my following has stayed that small and you know, like gradually grown with that, but I think in my case, changing the name has 
I've been able to explain to specific people in my life, like, this is why I'm doing this. This is what I'm doing now. And I'm excited about it for this reason. Mm-hmm. What you were saying about people wanting the sound that they like, you know, I, to- I totally understand that. Like, there are bands that that I love deeply that I haven't listened to any of their new stuff like <laughs> right yeah. you know I like think we could all think of a ton of examples of that yeah i don't think that people evolving in, in kind of like for myself like as a listener the albums and songs that i connect with they're they're evergreen they just like stay good and there's always mm-hmm. something else that i can get out of them so when an artist makes this evolution like has a new sound maybe a new name if i'm not with it that's okay. Like, I still have the thing that that I enjoy. Right. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I mean, there are obviously going to be people that come along with a change like that, a change in sound. But I think a lot of artists and bands especially just worry so much about that, that it's limiting to creativity and can ultimately hurt them overall. They're trying too hard to not change while also, I don't know, feeding that part of themselves that wants a little bit of change, that I don't know if that always works. I think that can be a really, really difficult thing just mentally and emotionally making music is trying to ride that line where maybe the better way to go is to just like do the thing that is most inspiring to you because that's going to be inspiring to listeners as well. Right. More so than trying to, I don't know, fit in a, a category that you've put yourself in already. But I think... It's also okay to lose listeners because of that, because maybe you're speaking to a new person, a new type of person now. Yeah. And and another thing that that I think about a lot, I've heard a lot of artists talk about the groups that they are most known for, like the projects that they're most known for just happen to be the projects that people identified with the most. So if people identify with me as Neve. If this continues to grow and more and more people listen, I'll know that what I'm doing is that I have a good thing, that I have a good thing that people are listening to, that it's working, and that I'll have momentum to build off of. So I I think that that is a, a big part of it. It, it, you know, you're naming a brand, and if that brand starts to get the ball rolling, to, to go back to Walmart, to use the example from yeah. before, if Walmart changed their name tomorrow. To the Stuff Store. Yeah, the Stuff something. Store. Yeah, all of a sudden, <laughs> like, I, I don't know, it would feel like, well, maybe they're not a good example, because, like, they're, like, a monolith now, you right. know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Walmart has to own some other stuff, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, it's the place for stuff. Um <laughs> But yeah, I I think all of this to say that when something starts to to gain the momentum that you want, which I'm starting to see with Neve, like people are are listening to it and really appreciating it, you you stay in that. You stay in that brand and, and you keep rolling with it. I mean, I think this kind of comes back to to a discussion that we've had on this podcast before about making music for yourself versus making music for your audience. And there's kind of like a battle among artists about which is more valid. Like, should you just make music for yourself or should you just make music for your audience? And I think that what you're kind of touching on here is that 
it's kind of one thing leads to another. Like you make music for yourself that you're inspired by, that you enjoy. And then if that resonates with people, you use that to assess yourself and, and how well it's working. Because ultimately music is about including other people in it. You want other people to hear your music, even if you're making music for yourself. So for you, I guess when you're making music for Neve now, is there a particular audience that you have in mind? Or are you speaking to a particular type of person when you're creating? Or is it is it more internal? It's definitely it's definitely more internal, which was a big shift in in the process for me. You know, I for a really long time I, I wanted to write music for people who were looking for well-written like indie rock you know like i wanted to i wanted to write stuff that i could sit down with my dad and like play for him and like he would be like wow like i i hear what you're doing you know because you know growing up like he was you know the person that i listened to music with the most like he you know got me into the beatles and the stones and all you know all the classics and he i mean he's he was my music teacher like all through school so like he is my biggest influence like musically. So for a really long time, I, I wanted to write stuff that came from that. Cause I, it's what I knew mm. the most <laughs> with the writing process before a lot of the time I would like, I would fall into these kind of spacey, like stuff that uh, I, I would write songs and I would be like, I could never release this. Like, this is just <laughs> too like, I enjoy it, but this is just for me, you know? Mm. I really, as much as I could, wanted to shift the focus off of myself and put it on, like, I'm looking at the world around me and, like, this is what I see. And on this record, I, I wanted to really... I wanted to write about, yes, what I see outside, but how it informs the way I think... And vice versa, how the way I look at the world kind of like shapes it. I actually wanted to ask how you handle your your influences when you're writing. Yeah, that is always changing. That that's all. It, it's it's a song to song thing. Like there are songs that I um, I I wrote a song once to a David Bowie sample that I just like ripped the drums off of Soul Love. And I was like, I want to write a song like this. So I'm going to literally use these drums and like write to it. So sometimes it's like a specific song that I want to kind of recreate, maybe like flip on its head a little bit or just like kind of pay homage to. With the songs that I just put out though, a lot of it was after the fact. Like when I sit down and I listen to that album, I hear like little bits like there's one verse the second verse of the song Faye the third track on the album listening back to it I'm like wow this is 100% Alex Turner Arctic Monkeys like I'm drawing from him a lot on that at least that's what I hear mm. you know it, you know everybody else can you know hear hear what they like so sometimes it is like I like this person I want to do what they're doing you know, this is that that old thing. You know, you 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 emulate your influences until all of a sudden, like you you find your own thing. And I think I'm beginning to find my own thing. I'm I'm beginning to retroactively like 
listen to something and be like, okay, like I hear where that's coming from now, now that it's done and it's out there. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I think that's really interesting too, because I mean, you mentioned you, you emulate your influences until you find your own voice, but like, I think you've had your own voice for a little while because even from your pleasure mad music to Neve, like there's it still sounds like you, like there's this change of instrumentation. It's not the same. It's, it's under a different name. It's a different idea, but it still sounds like you. So I think that's, that's always something that everybody is constantly working on. You're always kind of absorbing influences and putting them through your own filter to create what you're doing. So yeah, I think that's working really well. I think another thing too, is that like, we were talking about like who you make music for, whether you're making it for yourself or somebody else or a specific type of person, kind of circling back to the idea of evolution over time, I think that can also evolve and change as well. Like you don't have to always be speaking to yourself or always speaking to a specific type of person. Those are things that can change and can help you kind of grow an audience over time too. If you're if you make one record for a specific type of person and then another record later on for a different type of person, that can be a way to kind of bring people in. So all of that is like, I don't know, maybe that didn't make any sense to anybody, but all of that is like very much connected in my mind when it comes to creating an artist brand mm. overall. Yeah. Yeah. When it comes to like writing for other people versus yourself, that it's another thing that with a lot of the songs that I'm working on now, I find myself kind of like refining myself. Like, okay, like that is cool, but like not necessarily what I want to put out. Like, you mm-hmm. know, like I, I've been, I've been playing with a lot of kind of ambient stuff. I don't want to put out an ambient album as Neve though. So there's that experimentation. There's like gathering a bunch of different sounds so that I can put them through this filter that I've created, which is Neve. And if I were to ever put out like a full on, just like instrumental, just noise album, it would not be as Neve. It would be as something else altogether. Mm. Well, I guess so then where do you, where do you think side projects fit into all of this with branding and evolution and things like that. Cause it seems to me that side projects are kind of a way to get the best of both worlds there. Like you can continue on the successes or the, the idea of what you've already had as an artist or a band with a specific sound image brand. And then you can also kind of spin off of that and create something that's much different and continue to evolve, you know, while still preserving what you had before. Like, is that something that you've ever considered? Maybe like a, a spin-off type project to do more ambient? Yeah, honestly, um, not necessarily as much for the ambient stuff, more so on the opposite end of the spectrum, the more like acoustic, like singer-songwriter stuff. Hmm. I've considered, you know, putting out a Pleasure Mad EP with just like a couple just like guitar, you know, like simple, like classic indie rock songs. Yeah. One of my friends said it best. Like I do in this band, everything that I can't do in this band. But as a listener, what I found is that the two always inform one another. Like when I listen to a moon shaped pool, Radiohead's last album, like I hear 
like all of Johnny Greenwood's orchestral stuff all over that. Like he, you know, they split off, they did their own things for a couple of years and then they got back together as Radiohead. It is a Radiohead album, but you get all of these different flavors that come from people branching out on their own and saying like, well, I'm going to do a little bit of this. So, you know, I'm going to try this. Yeah, I think I think that's a really good example, actually. And like maybe for if we could give a piece of advice for artists who are kind of looking for ways to evolve, looking for ways to explore other areas of music that they might be interested in. Like that's one way to do it, a side project or or splitting off from your normal way of doing things. But I think another equally valid way, like on the flip side of that, is to just kind of like go for it and then you have these other options still. You can always come back to something later on, like what you might end up doing for Pleasure Mad. That's all still there. That's all still you. Mm-hmm. You don't lose access to any of that. So I think both of those are valid ways to go about it and have their own benefits. Another thing that I think about a lot, like um, there are those bands that with going from Pleasure Mad to Neve, like that's something that I can go back and forth between. But when I think about my previous group, Art School Girls, I would never put out a solo Art School Girls album because that band for me was the band. It was me, Dan, Elliot, Aiden, Teresa, Taylor, Rachel. Like it was like everybody all together. That is that band. Mm. So I think, you know, for people considering changing a name, if you are going it alone, if you're, you know, recording your own stuff, playing everything yourself, or just if you're a solo act, that's something that you you have that leeway with that you don't necessarily when it comes to a band. You need to make sure that everybody feels represented. Right, yeah. Jake, I'm wondering if you can talk about that at all for yourself, because you've had kind of a, a similar thing where you've had like a band side of things and a solo artist side of things. How, how did that work for you? Did that kind of like fill two halves of the whole creatively for you? Or were they completely different things? Like how, how did that work? I mean, the, the idea for me to do my own solo thing started when the band was still a thing. But I would say they kind of spoke to each other. Like the, th- the stuff that I was starting to write for the morning sound stuff was kind of like like the the poppy electronic elements of that spilled over into the beginnings of the the manic stuff Mm. i think all of that makes sense and maybe artists have a misconception about this like from a branding standpoint like you think of like they're separate they're two different things right but it's all playing off of each other and, and things like that so it's all part of the creative whole i guess yeah i was gonna i was gonna ask do you ever have trouble like zeroing in on a sound for a specific project um no no i don't i was actually talking to a friend last night about i i think a really important thing when i'm starting a new project is to give myself borders so with neve it was i'm gonna do as much as i can with this one synth. I started towards the end of that process to like say like, okay, like, well, I wanna do bass guitar. Like I wanna do some MIDI overdubs. I started pushing against those borders 
so that when the project is done, like when the album was done, like the, the things that I was doing to push against the border have now become what I'm doing now. You know, the limitations, the, the ways that I push against the limitations I give myself kind of inform what I want to do next. So that's where the evolution really comes in for me. That border is always getting bigger and bigger. That's awesome. I think what you were just talking about there with setting limitations is a takeaway that all of our listeners should really kind of think about because setting borders for yourself like that, I think is great advice, both for making music, but also for creating an artist brand. I think so often people go into things thinking I'm going to, you know, make a little bit of everything or I'm going to have no limits and, you know, like I can do anything I want. Right. Uh, And that can make things harder a lot of the time. And from a branding standpoint, that can make it hard to really have anybody resonate with what you're making because they don't know who you're speaking to. It's not it's not clearly directed towards anybody. So I think that's a really, really good piece of advice that I think a lot of people should try out. Set yourself some limits and it can actually help you creatively and from a business and branding standpoint. So I think that's really, really awesome. Yeah, if you have like a, a really focused vision people will be able to look at what you're doing and really what you're doing, or at least what I'm, what I'm trying to do right now is like tell people a story, you know, like what is the story of Neve? Like what happens next? That's kind of what Mm -hmm. I want people to be looking for when they look at my content. Would you say there are any other misconceptions that you think most artists have about this topic of evolving or just finding a creative voice in general? I I don't know if if misconceptions is the word that I would use for for this particular thing, but the pitfall that I found myself in for a really long time was giving myself a sound before I had started writing. Mm. I would like sit down and I would say like okay, like, I want to write this Beatles song or this Beatles song, you know, like, for a lot of the time, the limitations that I would give myself were too narrow. Like, if you if you give yourself a sound, like, if you sit down and you say, like, I feel like a lot of people, a lot of my friends have, like, sat down to write, like, a pop punk album. And then on the far side of it, like, they don't have a pop punk album, they have something that's different. I think that a really important thing is you you have your vision when you go into something, keep a loose grip on that. And as it changes, you know, if something if something feels good but it doesn't match your initial vision, go with the it feels good rather than well, no, we can't do this because it isn't this specific genre. The genre thing should be an afterthought. Like, what does this song need? Oh, it needs like a pop punk chorus, you know? I think there's a lot of nuance there. And I'm, I'm glad you brought this up too, because when we say like, set yourself boundaries, like that could be taken as, okay, I'm going to write a song like this song. Those could be considered boundaries. But the nuance there is like, say it's, uh, say you're a painter instead. We're talking about painting instead of music. You could come at, creating a painting by saying like, I'm going to paint the Mona Lisa. 
Or you could come at it as I'm going to use these two blues and this green and I can paint whatever I want. Yeah. Like those are two very different creative boundaries. One, you're, yeah, you're going to create something that's derivative. You're kind of limiting your creativity there. The other, you're limiting maybe your resources, but through that, you kind of like open up all these other possibilities for creativity. Yeah. So I think those are two like very, very different things. So I'm glad you brought that up because I think a lot of, a lot of artists do fall into that trap, whether it's genre, whether it's a specific artist, a specific song, they're trying to create that. Well, that kind of comes back to what you were saying before about like writing music for other people versus writing for yourself. That mm-hmm. is the question of like product versus process. You know, if you sit down to write an album that is by the book, like you want to write an album that people are going to identify with because it's like very easy to, to identify with, that's great. And you can do that versus. I want to write an album that will only use like this specific instrument. Like you, you don't have a guaranteed like, Oh, people are going to like turn this on and immediately be like, Oh, I know what this is. Like, this is this, 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 and this. And it's great. It's going to take that moment of, okay. Like you're just using this. Okay. (laughs) That's cool. You know, it, there's like those extra steps. So it really, it comes down to where you're at, where you're at in your career. Like if you want to just write something that you know people will enjoy, I think that that's great. Do you have any advice for anybody who's trying to grow and evolve, like develop a voice and an identity as an artist, whether that's either of those two creative styles? I know it's a broad question. <laughs> yeah. Um, the biggest advice, and I'm sure anyone would tell you the same, is just listen. Keep listening. Just keep listening to as many different people as you can and look at the artists that resonate with you. Look at them as closely as you possibly can. Keep going back and revisiting them because for me at a certain point, I will find rather than imitation, you get to a certain point where imitation isn't, oh, this person uses this type of chords, like these type of chords, uh, this type of rhyme scheme. Like I get this connection to a certain artist that then you write out of that connection rather than writing based off of like if you had cheat music in front of you that you were just copying off of. Keep listening to the people that speak to you and sitting in the way that they speak to you. And then once that connection is just kind of innate, sit in that and create out of that. That's at least how I try to emulate my influences now. And that's why when I go back and I listen to Neve, I hear my influences after the fact. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. And I think there is a bit of a misconception there also with artists that they think that anybody who's like excelling in a specific genre or whatever it is, that that's all they're listening to. I was listening to this podcast called And the Writer Is with Ross Golan, who's a like high up songwriter in pop music. And he interviews a bunch of pop songwriters who are writing like top of the charts stuff. 
And in talking about their influences and stuff like that, when I was first listening, I was kind of surprised to hear what they referenced as influences. Because there was a lot of like obscure stuff. I would go and like take a listen after I listened to the episode and be like, how do you get pop music from this? But I think what you just described is exactly how you get pop music from that. Like you're you're just taking in as much as you can. You're always listening. And then, yeah. So I think that's really, really good advice. Always, always, always just listen. And don't paint yourself into a corner too much as far as that goes, as far as genre and stuff like that. So do you have any plans for the future of Neve, Or is the plan currently to just kind of continue growing and evolving and see where that takes you? Uh, yeah, uh, really, it just the plan right now. I mean, we're, we're, you know, still in the process of rolling out the album where we have, you know, more stuff that we want to put out to promote it and to kind of get people to interact with it in different ways. And I'm really excited about all of that. But after that, like I said, I feel like I'm writing for a character and that the character just happens to be me. So a lot of it is just the plan is to just keep going and, and keep writing. And, you know, like I said before that the, the borders, they're always expanding. So mm-hmm. everything that I started playing with, like with overdubbing, that stuff was in the end game of the recording process. There were a lot of moments where I would look at something, I would look at a piece of software that I hadn't like looked at too closely and it would just like open up this world of possibility. And I would say like, that's really cool. I don't have time to, to do (laughs) this though. So like, I'll just like put that aside for later. That's where I'm at now looking at all of that stuff and like seeing how it interacts and how I interact with it. So yeah, just, you know, continuing to experiment, continuing to build and grow. Awesome. Yeah. And you mentioned this album and things that are still kind of going into that. Is there anything coming up that our listeners should be aware of to go and check out that has been announced or that we can talk about? Uh, It hasn't been officially announced yet, but we're putting the album out on vinyl, which is something that I've always wanted to do. And that was a decision. (laughs) It had a lot to do with making more on unemployment, Um, looking at the resources (laughs) that I had and saying, like, where am I at right now? Like, I have an album that I'm really proud of. I'm in a position where I can put some money into it. So, yeah, I mean, and that's something that I've that I've always wanted to do. So, yeah, we, we have those coming out. We don't have a release date just yet. We're still kind of getting all the fine details together. But yeah, that's that that'll definitely be something to look out for. I'm really excited for the package that it's going to come with. Very nice. Yeah. So everybody should be on the lookout for that for when it's announced and when it finally arrives. Well, Jack, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and talk with us today about this. I think your outlook on creating is just going to be inspiring to our listeners. So I'm I'm hopeful that people can take something away from this so they can apply to their own music, their own brands, and not be so worried about like making their past fans angry or what the next person's going to think and, and be comfortable with evolving and experimenting and, and, and changing their own voice over time. So I really want to thank you for coming on here and, and giving us so much great information. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Of course.
Jack, thank you again. This has been great. And guys, if you guys like this episode, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And if you caught the episode last week, same thing. If you want to share it with a friend that would really enjoy this podcast, that would be so sick. Thank you so much. We love you. Catch you next time. Kobe, take them out. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And that's all we've got for you on this episode. And we'll catch you on the next episode of Self-Signed Artist. Peace. Bye, guys.